Welcome to Now Appalachia. The Appalachian region covers 13 states in the U.S. and over 25 million people call the region home. This podcast profiles the authors and publishers with connections to Appalachia and how the region influences and impacts their creative work. And now, here's your host, author and Appalachian resident, Elliot Parker. And hello, friends. We welcome you once again back to the program and back to another episode of Now Appalachia. Our podcast is carried courtesy of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and you can find it anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. And we appreciate you joining us once again. If you're a veteran listener, if this is your first time with us, welcome to the program as we continue to spotlight uh, the outstanding authors and publishers with connections to the Appalachian region as we talk about how Appalachia influences and impacts their works. I'm your host, Elliot Parker, and we're going to be talking about one of those great publishers, one of those great Appalachian publishers with us here today, and we're going to be talking about Orison Books, which is a publisher some of you may be familiar with. Uh, If you're uh, familiar with Appalachia, if you've read a lot of Appalachian works, and we're delighted to have founder and editor of Orison Books, Luke Hankins, with us today. And Luke is the author of two full-length poetry collections, in addition to being the founder and editor of Orison Books. Those poetry collections are called Radiant Obstacles and Weak Devotions. And he's also got a forthcoming chapbook coming out from Texas University Press in 2024. That's titled Testament. He's also the author of a collection of essays titled The Work of Creation. And he's also the editor of Poems of Devotion, an anthology of recent poets. He is a graduate of Indiana University's MFA program, where he held the USEF Fellowship in Poetry, and his poems, essays, and translations have appeared in numerous publications, and he currently resides in Asheville, North Carolina. So Luke, welcome to the program. I am so glad to have you on today as we talk about not only uh, your excellent career as a writer, uh, but the outstanding press that you have created and that you were in charge of, Orson Books. So welcome to Now Appalachia. Good to have you here. Thanks, Elliot. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. It's my pleasure. And I wanted to ask you, first of all, uh, what made you decide to create this press and get started putting this together and running it and being in charge of it? Where was the inspiration? Where was the idea? Why did you decide to uh, create Orson Books? Yeah, there are a couple main things. Uh, I had worked at literary magazines for for many years prior to starting Orison Books, including um, Asheville Poetry Review, which is based here in Asheville, but but a a national uh, literary magazine. Um, I began as an intern there and eventually um, became um, uh, uh, an editorial staff member, uh, working closely with Keith Flynn, who founded and continues to run that magazine. Uh, so I, I've worked with that magazine for many years. And when I was in grad school in Indiana, uh, I worked uh, at Indiana Review. Um, and I always thoroughly enjoyed the process of curating work, you know, selecting work to publish and championing work that I really believed in. But I, I noticed uh, uh, one of the shortcomings of literary magazines is that they tend to be somewhat ephemeral. People, you know, um, browse through them. They one, I don't know that many people read a literary magazine cover to cover. They sort of browse through them, um, see what jumps out at them. And um, then they usually recycle that copy and the next issue comes and 
uh, you know, they're, they're not often something that we return to year after year. Whereas books, we sort of treasure, uh, at least the books that we fall in love with, and we keep them on our shelves and we come back to them and re we reread them. So um, I had this desire to um, publish work that I strongly believed in, in what at least had the potential to be a more durable form, if that makes sense. Um, um, I'm not I'm not trying to diss literary, literary magazines by any means. I continue uh, to work at a literary magazine and, and publish my work in, in magazines. And I'm very grateful for that, uh, the work that literary magazines and the folks who run them do. And I think it's an important aspect of our literary culture. Um, but it's got, a, it's lim like everything, it has its limitations. Um, so that was one of my desires in, in, in founding a press um, <clears throat> to make something potentially more durable um, that people might treasure for, for their lifetimes. Um, and the other um, major aspect of my decision to start the press was uh, mission-oriented. We, we at Orison have a unique focus on literary work that engages the life of the spirit in some way. We interpret that very broadly, very openly. We are, as an organization, we are not affiliated with any particular tradition or perspective or ideology, but we're interested in everything. And we include uh, authors who identify with a particular tradition, um, uh, Sikhism, uh, Judaism, Catholicism, Islam, you name it. And authors, uh, we have authors who are atheists, but these authors are all interested in um, things that transcend the everyday, um, um, not that they're not describing or invested in the everyday, but things that arise out of our daily lives that are larger than merely the physical. Um, our authors are invested in the big questions, what it means to be human, the nature of existence. Some of them have Again, a religious perspective they bring to that. Um, others do not. And some books are more clearly um, content-wise have uh, content that you would more readily identify as spiritual. And other books are more, come at it more from the side. Like uh, I know one book you've read is Carol Dine's This Distance We Call Love, which is very deeply engaged with um, the experience of human interconnectedness. Um, and to me, that's a spiritual aspect of life um, because it's larger than the self, right? It's, um, and it's not something that we can pin down and point, put our finger on and say, this is where it exists, right? It's, uh, it's metaphysical in a way. Um, so I hope that indicates the breadth of, of our mission. Um, so what I saw when I, when I founded the press and continue to see more often than not is publishers tend to either be affiliated with a particular religion or perspective. You know, it's a Buddhist press or it's a Catholic press or it's a Jewish publisher, right? Um, or they're entirely secular, quote unquote. Uh, you know, so there's this sort of divide between the sacred and the secular. And I, I, my vision for Orison was that it would inhabit both worlds um, and sort of fill in the gap and, and 
sort of present literature that doesn't see a divide between the sacred and the secular, but all it's all part of one uh, larger um, experience. Excellent, very good. And I know that this is not an undertaking that you have done completely by yourself. I mean, while you are the founder and editor of the press, you've got a large team behind you. You have a board of directors uh, that helps you. You also have staff people, people that serve uh, as uh, nonfiction editors. For example, uh, Jesse Van Eerden, who we've had on the program before. Uh, is one Wonderful. Of Speaking of Appalachian writers, one of the best, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. A terrific and a wonderful. Yeah, and we, all, we also published her book of essays before she became a staff member. Uh, we published her book of essays, The Long Weeping, which is just gorgeous. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she, I believe, uh, founded the or was part of the founding of the uh, MFA program at West Virginia Wesleyan College. And now I think she's at Hollins University. Teaching. She's at Hollins now on their MFA program. Yeah. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So you've got people like her uh, on your staff. So how did you go about uh, finding those folks to help contribute? And then how do they work in tandem with your board of directors and with you or those two kind of separate entities? Because I think something about literary presses that a lot of people Mm. don't realize that there is a lot going on behind the scenes in terms of who's involved. So talk a little bit about that. That's true. Um, so the board of directors is sort of a separate entity than, uh, from our editorial staff. So we are a nonprofit, uh, and nonprofits are required to have a board of directors. And the board does things like approve budgets and you know taking you know, voting on on big issues about like the direction of of the press, uh, you know the large. Um, um, decisions about the organization as an organization. That's the board of directors uh, position and also advising on things like fundraising and uh, um, uh, any other issues that, that the press faces. Um, and so that's, that's the, the board of directors function. It's more behind the scenes. It's not directly involved usually with the selection and production of books. The editorial staff members, primarily, they help me select manuscripts. Um, the, um, we have a, a two-person fiction editorial team who are the primary fiction editors. Then we have Jesse, uh, who's our nonfiction editor. So they work closely with me uh, and advise me on those genres. Uh, which are not my areas of expertise. I, I'm a poet uh, by practice and by training, and it's what I focus on. So I sort of head up the poetry list. Um, as the leader of the press, I ultimately, you know, ha- have uh, I have the final say over all the genres, but I but I um, rely on and highly value the recommendations of my editorial staff members, and then the um, you know, other folks who are who are editorial staff members, primarily what they're doing is they're helping me and helping the genre editors do an initial screening and an, an initial reading of manuscripts that are submitted um, and voting and commenting on those manuscripts for literary quality and for their fit for our mission. Excellent. Very good. And I know that your press um, has had titles reviewed or featured in places like the New York Times Book Review, Publishers Weekly, Poets and Writers, Forward Reviews, and other places. Can you talk for a minute about the importance 
of having those reviews and having your authors and your works featured there. I mean, I know that uh, all authors and all publishing houses of, of all shapes and stripes like to have that, but, but for a press like Orison Books, how important that is and what that says about the quality of work that you all are doing, that these major outlets are featuring your books and your authors. Yes, uh, thank you for pointing that out. It's something that I'm very proud of um, uh, on behalf of the press and all the all of our authors and all of the um, staff and board members that you just uh, uh, mentioned. Um, it is a testament to the fact that a small organization we we publish. Um, Two books our first year, which was 2015, um, um, and we now publish about eight books a year. We're we're very small compared to a lot of other publishers, but to see our titles getting reviewed alongside, you know, the the big players in the publishing world in these venues that you're mentioning is a real vote of confidence um, for me that what we're doing is getting noticed and is of the caliber, same uh, caliber as, uh, as presses that have been around for decades or centuries. So um, that's uh, a big encouragement to me personally. And it's a big boost to the authors, you know, when they get those reviews there, it's uh, one of the most satisfying things uh, in an author's life. And I love to see that. That's one of the things I love about running a is getting to champion other people's work. Um, it also has a practical impact uh, in terms of sales. Um, uh, oftentimes, when books get reviewed in a literary magazine or, or a blog or something, you can't necessarily tie a direct, um, you can't make a direct link between that review and sales. You think maybe it's impacting sales, you don't really know. But with some of these bigger venues, especially like the New York Times book review, um, you can see a definite impact on sales numbers. So that's that's good for the press, uh, and it's it absolutely helps uh, helps us continue what we're doing. Very good. Luke Hankins is our guest here on this episode of Now Appalachia. We're talking with him about his press that he is the founder and editor of. It's called Orison Books and also talking to him about his career uh, as a poet and as a writer. So Luke, we'll come back to the press uh, in just a second. But I wanted to ask you about um, doing in terms of how do you balance um, being a writer? How do you balance having a life? How do you balance running the press and, and keeping all of these things going? Because I know for a lot of writers, just, just having a writing life and then a working life and sometimes a family life on top of that is challenging enough, but uh, you manage to do all of that and run a press. How do you balance your time? How do you make sure everything gets done? Uh, how does all of that work? Elliot, can you hear that Saul? Okay, great. Sorry. Um, I was worried about some background noise there. Um, organized chaos, I guess, is the short answer. <laughs> um, I always wish I had more, more hours or more energy <laughs> um, to, uh, to, to get more done. I, uh, I've got perpetual to-do lists for, every, as you mentioned, every facet of my life. Um, as uh, you know, running a small press, uh, 
And despite all of the folks who are, um, I'm so, who I'm so grateful to for uh, dedicating their time to helping me select manuscripts, um, we don't have the type of budget where I can hire somebody to be our publicist, for instance. So you mentioned all these book reviews. Um, um, that is, uh, that's, that's something that happens because, um, you know, when a press sends out pre-publication galleys far enough in advance for these um, um, uh, major newspapers and um, industry venues like Publishers Weekly and Forward Reviews and Booklist far enough in advance of publication date for them to have time to, to, to schedule a review if they select a book. Um, so that requires a lot of work on, behalf, on the part of the press. And sometimes presses have a dedicated publicist or, or, or promotion assistant. Um, I, I wish we had one, but we don't. So that's like one of the things that a lot of people don't think about um, necessarily. Uh, and so that, that falls on me. And then there's all the uh, review copies that go out to other venues like literary magazines and individual reviewers closer to publication date. And then there's um, ongoing promotion and publicity after publication, the submitting books to book awards, um, all these things um, are, are things that take a lot of time. Um, and um, I have to try to balance all those responsibilities uh, with teaching. Uh, I do uh, teach some private poetry workshops. I also teach some undergraduate classes at Warren Wilson um, and with my own writing and translating and other projects and then just everyday life. So yeah, it's a lot. Um, and, and I knew it would be a lot to take on when I started the press, but it's always easy to say, oh, I know it's going to be more than I think, you know, it's going to be uh, more time consuming than I think it will be. But then the actual experience of that can be overwhelming sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good answer to the question other than I, I try my best to keep up with my to do lists and I work weird hours um, that work for me. I'm a night owl, so I'm often working at night when other people are are, are resting. Um, and I just I just keep on trucking, as they say. Excellent. Very good. Very good advice. And so. Um, as you think about uh, literary presses, and I know that one of the things that a lot of writers do, especially writers that work with or inside of publishing houses or literary presses, is oftentimes they are uh, monitoring and kind of keeping track of other literary presses and what other work is being published that is going on out there uh, kind of around their own catalog of publications. What are some presses you think people should be reading uh, if they're interested in kind of similar themes or titles to what Orson Books publishes, who might they need to check out, or what are just some really good literary presses that you think uh, readers that enjoy literature should be paying attention to or following? An interesting question. Um, Sundress Publications, I think, uh, is, an, is underrated as a publisher, and they, they publish a lot of really interesting and really high-quality poetry, uh, in, my, in my opinion. Um, they've got several imprints, I believe, but the, the primary organization is Sundress Publications. Um, 
And sometimes their books have, have uh, you know, a, a spiritual aspect, but not, but not always, not as overtly as, as say, Orison. Um, I also really admire Alice Jane's books. Um, they publish some fabulous writers, uh, Milkweed Editions, um, and uh, Sarabend Books. Four-way books. I mean, I could go on and on. There are there Texas Review Press. Uh, there are so many great presses out there. I don't really think there are any presses, at least I'm not aware of them, that that do quite the same thing that we do at Orzen. And that's kind of one of the things that keeps me thinking that we need to stick around. We need to be here, right? Um, because we're sort of filling a niche that um, isn't at least isn't clear to me, is being filled elsewhere. There are also some great um, literary magazines that um, have um, a pretty broad spiritual interest. Echo Theo Review is a relatively new one, but Echo Theo is fabulous. Um, Ruminate Magazine, uh, Image Journal, although they, uh, they've been around a long time or well-known, they do tend to um, uh, tend to stay on the Jewish and or Christian uh, side of the spectrum, but they do publish really, really high quality work. So yeah, those are some, some that come to mind. We're speaking with author and founder and editor of Orison Books, Luke Hankins here on this episode of Now Appalachia. In addition to being the founder and editor of Orison Books, he's also the author of two full-length poetry collections, Radiant Obstacles and Weak Devotions. And he's got a forthcoming chat book coming out in 2024 by Texas Review Press called Testament. So um, I wanted to kind of finish up our discussion today, Luke. And I, I know that uh, there's a couple of ways that folks can submit uh, you all accept general fiction and nonfiction submissions. You've got some chat book contests and uh, some longer collection contests that go on throughout the year. And folks can go to your website, and I, I'll ask you to provide that here in just a minute. But I wanted to ask you about the, the fundraising campaign that you've got going on right now. Uh, I know this is, this is going on through Indiegogo, I believe. Um, and you're, trying, you're seeking to raise $5,000 for the press. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, why now? Why the need? Uh, I know you've been concerned in some of the messaging that you've put on the Indiegogo page that um, you want to see the press continue and continue to be strong and thrive. Um, so yeah. can you talk a little bit about the campaign and how it's going and the need mm -hmm. for that and how that's going to help Orson Books? Thanks so much for, for bringing that up. So as I mentioned, uh, the press is a nonprofit organization and uh, also circling back to all those staff members you mentioned, believe it or not, we're also volunteer run. So all of our editorial staff members are volunteering their time. It's, it's a real labor of love. I also volunteer uh, my time, which is why I have to uh, teach and do manuscript consultations and other things on the side to make a living. Um, so all of our fundraising goes directly toward the books that we publish, the um, production of the books, the distribution, the promotion, uh, uh, all aspects of, of publishing the really amazing work that we do. Um, and one of the reasons that we 
are raising money right now is that we've seen manufacturing costs increase steeply um, um, over the course of the pandemic, as most industries have. Um, but small publishers are particularly vulnerable to those sorts of price increases. There's not usually a lot of wiggle room in the budget to absorb you know, a 30% increase in manufacturing costs. Uh, so that's one of the reasons that we uh, need to raise some money uh, right now. Um, we have also seen donations. Um, we, we raise money every year uh, as a, uh, most nonprofits do, um, but we've seen those sort of behind the scenes donations drop off over the course of the pandemic as well. I think a lot of uncertainty just in general uh, economically and and socially um, has has led to a, a decrease in donor activity. Uh, so that's another reason that we're trying to uh, raise some funds at this point. And we are um, at last I checked, uh, uh, seventy two percent of the way to the goal, and there are twenty one days left. I bet I believe in the campaign. So we're getting there, and every every contribution. Uh, counts. I'm so grateful for those who have contributed so far. And one of the cool things about raising money this way through uh, Indiegogo uh, is that donors can claim perks uh, for their contribution. Everything from signed books from some amazing authors to manuscript consultations in poetry and fiction. Um, there are some cool visual things like um, hand-painted, beautiful hand-painted hand stones that someone has donated uh, at, as a donor perk and um, poetry magnets that are beautifully designed. So uh, I hope folks will take a look and uh, you can support our mission by contributing and you can also claim some really cool perks as a bonus. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for folks to get involved and to find out more information about the press. We've been joined today and have been pleased to be joined today by founder and editor of Orison Books out of uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Luke Hankins has been our guest today. He's a, a poetry writer, has two full-length poetry collections and one on the way, a chapbook called Testament from Texas Review Press. Orison Books is a terrific press. If folks are not familiar with it, I encourage folks to go out there to go to your website, uh, Orison Books, that's O-R-I-S-O-N books.com to find out more about the work that you all are doing and also to find out more about how they can get involved in the Indiegogo campaign. So Luke, thanks so much for spending some time with us on Now Appalachia today. Really appreciate the conversation and good luck to you guys in the future. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Elliot. We want to take a moment as we finish up on this episode of Now Appalachia to give a special thanks to Pam Stack, who is the executive producer of Now Appalachia and is responsible for all of the podcasts that you hear on the network here each and every week. We could not do this work without her. So thank you, Pam, for all of your support. We want to remind you also that this is a copyrighted podcast that is owned and operated by the authors on the AIR Global Radio Network. That is going to do it for us this time on Now Appalachia, but please come again next time. And in the meantime, stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. Listening to Now Appalachia. This is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. For questions or comments about this program, and to learn more about the host, Elliot Parker, and his books, visit his website at www.elliotparker.com. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.